Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Flesh Podcast. My name is Klaus Rauscher. The One Flesh Podcast is all about marriage, the essential union between man and woman. I want to help young men find a girlfriend and help them build a marriage worth having. Uh, the One Flesh Podcast occurs every single Wednesday. Uh, we also have the Sunday series of the Purpose Podcast, where we bring on a guest and we talk about their purpose. We ask them, what is their purpose? Uh, how do they find that purpose? Uh, the goal is to help young men find and fulfill their purpose. Uh, today, One Flesh episode. Um, again, you would be all shocked to hear that I don't have anything too terribly prepared for this. <laughs> um, I uh, got a couple things I want to talk about, but first, let's do let's do a little bit of a, uh, a baby update. People tell me that they like those. Um, so, Gallon's doing really well. Uh, pregnancy's going really well. Uh, she's getting the registry close done um we actually need to get it done pretty quick so that people can start planning to buy stuff and all that um but she's getting close we're doing all the nursery things um everything's kind of coming together she's actually doing really great we haven't had many issues at all she hasn't been sick um that's been huge that she hasn't been sick like no uh, morning sickness whatsoever and that's been really nice um she has been pretty tired but uh we're getting through that but yeah everything's going great we're Still don't know the gender. We're going to wait until uh, birth. We've got a couple of names picked out. Um, everything's going really well. This uh, this season, this fall season, is kind of the uh, the calm before the storm, I guess. Um, we're going through a lot of progress. Uh, I've got a lot of things going on, a lot of irons in the fire. So does Ellen with all the baby stuff. And uh, it's really going to be a season of growth, uh, pun intended, I guess, for the baby. Um, but we're going to get a lot done over the next couple of months. Uh, money-wise, house-wise, all of those things, um, and it's going to be awesome. So uh, she's doing really well. We have another appointment coming up, so if you were wondering. Um, guys, I, like I said, I had a hard time preparing anything for this episode, um, but I did come across, I, I found a new song. When you, I had kind of have a, a niche music taste, so just a little bit of context. Um, I listen to a lot of like what you would call outlaw country, a lot of um, older country, more Texas Red Dirt, uh, Americana. Um, I don't know. You you all know. I mean, I'm sure if you know me, um, you know what I listen to. But uh, Zach Bryan is about the most modern that I get. Uh, and even then, he does things a little bit differently. And some of his newer stuff I don't like because it's a little bit too modern. But um, Zach Bryan is about the most mainstream uh, person that I have on my playlist, other than like my gym playlist. But uh, I, I listen to some weird stuff, but not weird stuff, but Texas country, red dirt. You all know what I'm talking about. Tyler Childers. Uh, it's not really Texas country, but he's more on the outlaw side. Um, Cross Canadian ragweed, turnpike, all of those guys. Um, but because that is a rather small, it's a rather small genre. Um, there isn't just a whole lot of people making new stuff a lot of the time. So I end up listening to the same songs. Uh, I have a really, really big playlist, but I listen to a lot of music, so it comes across. I mean, I listen to the same stuff pretty often. Uh, we actually have been getting some new stuff out by a lot of people. Zach Bryan just released a bunch of new stuff, and that's been awesome. Uh, Turnpike released a new album. That's been great. Uh, Tyler Childers, he's releasing some stuff. He's released some weird stuff. He's kind of gone off of the political deep end. Uh, a lot of the people don't really want to hear from him anymore because of his politics. I still like a lot of the stuff that he puts out, um, but I just don't really listen to any of his politically motivated songs because I think his politics are just in the wrong place. Uh, and I don't really want to be lectured 
lo-fi song, really. Uh, anyway, it's tough for me to find new music. That's kind of what I'm getting at, is it's tough for me to find new music, but uh, occasionally I'll stumble upon an artist that I've listened to for a while, but I've thought, you know what, I've never actually checked out their page. Uh, so I was uh, listening to a Hayes Carl song the other day. Uh, if you don't know Hayes Carl, I, I don't really even know um, what to tell you that he sings. I mean, if you know, you know, I guess. Uh, but it, I ended up going to his page and listening to his radio, and a song popped up that I really liked that I'd never heard from him, uh, and it was called You Get It All. Um, he's got a whole album. Some of the songs in there, again, are just politically motivated in the wrong direction. Uh, the dude, he, I, I don't know. Artists are, artists are weird. I don't expect artists to be political geniuses. That's why I kind of for, forgive them for some of their stuff. I list to listen to their stuff. Um, it's not like, you know, uh, business people where I hold them to a higher standard. Artists are artists. They do what they want. If they make good music, um, that tells a story, then I'll enjoy it. A lot of times they'll have two songs directly conflicting political views. and It's just a mess. Uh, they're not political scientists, but he does have one song in there where he refers to God as a woman, which is just ridiculous. And she comes down to earth, quote unquote, she uh, comes down to earth and sees all the bad things going on. Like I said, it's just, it's a lecture and a song uh, about a woman God. So the the album is kind of not good, honestly, but this song, You Get It All, I thought was very good. Um, so I'll go through it a little bit. I'm not going to sing it to you. Uh, but part of the song says all my lows and all my highs, all my truth and all my lies, all my rights and all my wrongs, all my from now on love songs, all my future, all my roots, all my worn out cowboy boots. I kick off in the hall. You get it all. Uh, and then kind of the last part of it says, uh, all my blessing, all my curse, all my better, all my worse from the chapel to the hearse. You get it all. Uh, I, I thought it was really good. It's a really good song. It's got some. Uh, kind of funny in there, some sweet things in there. Uh, there's some other verses in there that uh, are, are pretty cool. It says, all my Guy Clark uh, cassettes. If you know Guy Clark, you know, he's an old-time country singer. Not really old-time, but uh, Texas country singer. So um, it, it, it's, it's just a really cool song. But, I mean, there's a good message in here that really made me think um, about what uh, – really made me think about – rethink about what marriage is. We've been really, really busy. Um, and even though I do a weekly podcast on marriage, uh, it's still very easy to forget, uh, in the daily grind, what marriage actually is and to stay committed to that. And, uh, if that's not, <laughs> if that's not a lesson in and of itself, a guy who has a weekly podcast about marriage, and I feel that, uh, I do marriage really well, uh, it's still hard to remember sometimes, but this was a good little reminder, uh, of, of what re- marriage really is. And, uh, you know, Again, to hear an artist actually get something right, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's nice. So, um, but basically, I mean, what he's saying here is 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 the vows, you know, the better and the worse, um, sickness and health. Uh, a lot of people don't really, a lot of people mean that, but I don't know that they ever understand the weight of that. Um, like I said, with this season of life that Dylan and I are going through, um, I've got again a lot going on. Um, she's got a lot going on. Uh, the time together has been uh, not always the best. It's been stressful. You know, sometimes uh, the only 30 minutes that we get together that day, it has to be spent uh, talking, you know, about something that uh, is stressful or, you know, uh, a disagreement between the two of us. And that's not great. Um, but we're, we're doing our best to get through it. But it just 
served as a good reminder that, you know, when I made my commitment to be married to this woman, uh, I, I gave her literally all of it. I gave her all of me. And what I really want to capture here is the totality of it. Um, you were literally giving up everything about yourself to this woman. And hopefully she's giving that all up to you as well. Uh, this is why I think there's very little um, rational argument for divorce almost in any circumstance. Um, and when I say any circumstance, everybody likes to bring up you know domestic violence. Uh, yeah, you can live separated. Um, that's a that's a conversation for another for another topic. But where I'm really what I'm really talking about uh, is like when people leave the exclusion for cheating. Uh, you know, outside of domestic violence and cheating is what they'll typically say. Um, I, I just don't think it applies. I think you give them all, you give them everything. And at the very least, that should be your intent 100% uh, through that. You shouldn't be leaving any sort of uh, contingencies in your marriage. And I, I think that that's really the only way that marriage works uh, is if you truly give them all of you. Uh, if you truly make yourself vulnerable for them to hurt you, uh, that's that's really what you're doing is you're taking your shell off and you're saying, here, okay, here's all of me. You take all of her. Uh, they have immense power to be able to hurt you. Uh, and because you've given that power willingly and freely, um, they treat it uh, specially and they honor it and they never want to lose it. That's the idea. And if they do hurt you, um, you gave it to them. So you can't just immediately take it back. If they do hurt you, you got to work through it and you have to trust them again. That's what marriage is about. Marriage is about putting yourself up uh, to be vulnerable, uh, to getting hurt and then getting hurt and then dealing with it. <laughs> that's, that's what marriage is about. Um, you know, these gradations of getting hurt. Uh, it, it's hard to, it's hard to really draw a line in the sand. You know, a lot of people will draw the line at cheating. Well, they stepped out of, you know, they, they broke, they broke their promise. Okay, well, uh, the promise that you said means a whole lot more than just you know, sex or means a whole lot more than just emotional uh, emotional support. Um, every time that they uh, maybe spend money without you knowing or if they've got a substance abuse problem, um, whatever it may be, they're breaking their covenant to you most of the time. I know I'm having a hard time articulating this, but you know the covenant uh, that, that you agreed upon is that they're going to give you all which means the truth, which means that they're not going to lie to you. If they're lying, they're giving something back. So even as much as a lie is a breaking of the covenant. And then um, trying to apply gradations to this, it's it's, it's kind of the same thing with sin. Um, you think about, you know, all sins are, I, I don't know if all sins are truly equal. I think the, like the one unforgivable sin or something, that, that sounds familiar. But um, from my understanding, all sins are really equal. Um, murder is no better or worse than lying. Um which is no better or worse than jealousy, which is no better than or worse than pride. Um, so uh, it's basically the same way with a marriage. There's no real way to apply a gradation to that um, because everything that they're doing is breaking that covenant. Um, in my mind, this is, this is the way I think about it. Uh, and so to me, it's very hard to make an argument for divorce ever at all, really. Um, you can make an argument for separation pretty easily. Again, you know, domestic abuse or something like that. I'm not arguing that you should stay in the home. That would be ridiculous, obviously, um, especially if you're a danger. But, you know, when you when it comes to promising all of that stuff to another person, you've already promised it to one person. 
Uh, again, I don't really know how that works. Um, that's a topic for another episode. And uh, obviously, um, you can come up with a thousand different if, ands, or buts. But I think that when, in, uh, if you're listening to this right now and your plan is to get married, I think you should do it with the full expectation that you are going to give them literally everything. Literally all of you. There is nothing that you need to hold back. Absolutely nothing. Not the, the you know, demented parts of your head that think bad thoughts. You should give them that too. You should share that with them. Um, and you should talk about it. And they should help you through some of that stuff. Um, whatever your deepest, darkest secret is. Whatever um, you think that, yeah, I really, really love this woman, but I'm going to keep this to myself. Because even if you think it will hurt the relationship, um, you still need to give it all to them. Because that's the idea of marriage is exposing yourself to being hurt, uh, getting hurt, and then fixing that. Um, getting hurt is part of marriage. That's, that's what it is. Um, it's, it's progressive overload. Uh, the word overload means that it's over what you can tolerate. It's, it's some sort of hurt. It's, maybe that's a bad analogy, but um, you're going to get hurt in marriage. If you think that you're going to get through marriage without getting hurt, then you're delusional. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> if you think you're going to get in, uh, get through marriage without getting your feelings hurt, I don't know what to tell you. And so you need to expose yourselves to that. And there's no way to truly do that and to truly um, do it to its fullest extent without, again, giving all. So that was a good little reminder. Um, it's a good song. Go listen to it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I threw it on my playlist. Hayes Carl, he's got a lot of good stuff. Uh, some of his stuff, not so great, but that's with any artist. Um but yeah, that's why, like I said, I think it's it's hard to make a, I think it's hard to make an argument for divorce in any case, really. Um, I think once you make that promise, you should make that promise. And here's and here's the thing, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not so extremely convicted on divorce in the extremes in the extreme circumstances. Number one, the exception proves the rule most of the time. I don't think there is an exception. Uh, my my inclination is that there is no exception to the no divorce rule. Uh, but if there is exceptions, I'm not saying there is, but even if there is, the exception would prove the rule. So even if you were to say, well, uh, yeah, but for, you know, domestic abuse or whatever, well, that's the exception to prove the rule. Um, I don't think there is an exception. Um, I'll have to bring somebody in here that is a little bit more, um, astute to, to argue that point, knows a little bit more about marriage. Maybe got a, a few more years under their belt, uh, maybe knows a little bit more things out of the Bible than what I do. Um, and can make a little bit better argument for no divorce ever. Um, have to bring somebody in to talk about that. But um, even if there is an exception, it's the exception that proves the rule. So you, uh, as a young man uh, that might be thinking about getting married, um, you shouldn't plan on being the exception. You should absolutely not uh, say, well, you know, if I am the exception, this is what's going to happen. No, that's, uh, to me, that's, I, I, it's it's not ignorant, but, um, just the, even the thought, like even entertaining the thought, like, why would you entertain that? Um, the moment that you let that sort of doubt creep into your relationship and the moment that you leave yourself that back door, um, you're, you're opening the relationship up to failure. And I really think so. You're taking really what it is, is you're taking pressure off yourself. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. Um, if you say, you know what, even for cheating, uh, or let's say for, for cheating, I, I'll, I'll get a divorce. If she cheats on me, I'll get a divorce. Uh, you just took the pressure off yourself to make sure that you're doing everything that you can so that she doesn't cheat. Obviously, you don't want to be cheated on, but there's an out. So if she does cheat, well, then um, you've decided that you're not going to 
uh, keep pursuing that marriage because the reality is, and what people don't want to say is that staying with them would be harder than leaving. A lot of people think that leaving and having a divorce is the hardest thing in the world. Uh, if it was, you could stay with them. And so you're, you're leaving yourself that out and you're taking the pressure off of yourself, uh, to, to, to make sure that that doesn't happen in the future, because you know, it's, it's hard to do marriage. Uh, it's hard to do it the right way. And it's hard to do it the way where people get hurt the least. Um, you're always going to get hurt, but it's hard to minimize that hurt. Uh, why is it hard? Because you have to do it every day. You're going to spend every day of your life with this person. That means that every day you have to be committed to the marriage and it's difficult. And so I understand why guys would say, well, if she cheats on me, I'm out. Uh, because it takes the, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. It takes a little bit of the pressure off. Um, it's scary to be committed to something for the absolute rest of your life. It's scary. It really is. Um, it, it, it really is. Uh, so I think what guys do is they give themselves that out to take a little bit of the pressure off. And I don't think you should. I think you should keep the pressure on and I think you should perform. So, uh, and the way that you do that is, is you give all, you truly give all, uh, and you take all, um, that sounds like a, a little bit, you receive all, um, you receive your wife for all that she is, all of her goods, all of her bads. You receive all of that. Uh, you're not going to, you shouldn't deny any part of your wife. If she's got a bad part of her, um, you should bring that in and you should help work on that. Uh, you shouldn't like ignore it. You shouldn't say, well, I don't want this part of you. Um, obviously it's, if it's something bad, you can work on it, but you still have to receive that to work on it. Um, you're going to receive all of her flaws. You're going to receive all of the good things. Um, that's how it's going to be. And you're going to give all. So, um, I hope that makes sense. It was just a cool little, uh, cool little thing that I found, cool little song that I found, I think either yesterday or the day before, um, go listen to it, go, uh, put it on your playlist, give Hayes Carl some, uh, some cash for every time that you listen to it. Um, next I want to talk a little bit, uh, about, you know, I, I talk a lot about, uh, changing, um, how do I put it, making change in your, uh, relationship and, making change in your relationship and pushing your wife to do better, be better, um, and to hold a higher standard uh, as well as yourself. I've always, always, always said that it starts with yourself, but, um, I've talked a lot about that and how that extends to your wife and your family. Um, I want to talk about something else that I've learned. Uh, you got to give grace. So you're actually going to hear, you're going to hear me talk about, it. um, the importance of giving grace, the importance when you do let something slide. Uh, the importance of when you do let something slide. Uh, it's it's important to do that. Um, it's important to do that to to uh, for for a multitude of reasons. Um, but it's not all just one hundred percent, one hundred percent. No mistakes are allowed. Uh, hardcore mentality. Uh, you're better off uh, holding to about a ninety percent <laughs> at the very least. Uh, that ratio is tough sometimes, uh, and it depends on the situation. For example, if your wife is pregnant, well, then maybe the times that you hold to the standard goes down to about 50 or 60% because she's dealing with stuff. Um, she's got other standards that she's dealing with. Um, so, uh, giving grace. It's important to do that. Um, like I said, I think it, I think it builds trust, uh, because they, they know that they know that, you know, that they're still good for it. So let's say you, you have a certain standard of, um, this chore gets done, 
at least once a day or every two days or every week. Uh, let's say that you have a certain standard in your household. Let's say that you've held that standard. Um, let's say that uh, you, you've held that standard and somebody fails it. Well, you have to give a little bit of grace because if every time that they fail that standard, um, if you jump on them, if you uh, attack them for that, what's going to happen is they're just not going to tell you that they failed it or they're going to start cutting corners just to get it done. Um, that's not an environment that promotes uh, excellence or success. That's environment. That's an environment that promotes fear. Um, also, here's the deal. You fail too, okay? I talk about setting up a, a, an excellent personal standard that your wife and your family can follow. Um, I've never set a perfect standard. Um, you should strive to set a perfect standard. Your goal should be to set a perfect standard, but we all know that you're not going to. We all know that you fail because we're human, okay? Everybody fails. So um, holding your wife to a perfect standard when you can't even meet that is at the very least unfair. So um, you can't just constantly be, uh, you can't constantly be on them. You can't constantly be pushing for that 100% success rate. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, giving grace uh, builds trust. It, it's trust that, that you're confident in them. It builds, it builds confidence. You're confident that it's not going to be a routine thing. Okay. If you don't jump on them for, for every little time, what does that say? That says, Hey, look, I'm not worried that you missed a round of laundry. I'm really not. Um, I'll take care of it. I'll get it done. Uh, I'll take ownership of the issue. You're dealing with other things. I'll take ownership of it. I won't say anything about it. Uh, and what that shows is confidence in your partner that they'll pick it up next time. If you don't feel the need to say something about it, what they say is, is number one, what they say is, Oh my gosh, I forgot to do this. Or, Oh my gosh, I didn't get that done in time. He had to do it, man, that sucks because I failed my standard. Uh, it becomes their standard or at least the family standard. I failed the family standard. They know that they failed the family standard. They know that you had to pick that up and they're going to feel bad about it. Um, if you do it right, if you, if you adequately put the standard in place, then they're going to know when they failed it and they're going to feel bad about failing it. That's why it's a standard. Okay. That's why it's an ideal. Um, and when they fail it, they're already going to be upset with themselves. Hopefully they're going to take ownership of the situation. They're going to say it's my fault that he had to do that. Okay. So just by taking ownership of the situation and giving grace, you've already reinforced the standard because everybody in the house knows that you weren't the one that was supposed to do that chore. You took ownership of it. You got it done. You helped your wife out. Um, and you've reinforced the standard because it still got done. Okay. Or if it didn't get done, you say, I'm going to reinforce the standard because I know that you're going to get it done. I know what the standard looks like. I know that you didn't meet it and I'm not worried about it because I'm confident that you know what the standard looks like and you're going to hold it in the future. So it's, it's a confidence and a trust building thing uh, to, to be able to give grace. Um, I, I, I truly believe that it is. I mean, it, it's, it's essential. Um, you have to be able to, to formulate that trust and that confidence. Otherwise you formulate uh, a culture of, of fear of fear and dishonesty really, um, is, is what you'll, what you'll create. You know, the, um, it's, it's pretty easy to, to have a standard on laundry because everybody knows that the laundry is either done or not done. Uh, but let's talk about finances. Let's say that you have a financial standard. Um, and 
let's say that you have a financial standard and uh, if you don't give grace, then every time that she goes a dollar over budget, uh, you jump on her or a hundred dollars over budget, you absolutely rip her for it. Well, what's going to happen? She's going to be extremely fearful to do anything. Uh, and if she does, she's probably, she might find a way to lie about it. Maybe not, but um, there's a good chance that if you're constantly ripping her for it, uh, and she does go over the budget instead of telling you, uh, she tries to find a way to hide it. Or she goes and she sells something for $100 to cover it and doesn't tell you about it. Um, that didn't happen. I know that's oddly specific, but um, I, I could very easily see that happening. Um, is, oh no, I've broken the standard. He's jumped on me every single time that I've done this. Uh, I've got to go take something valuable to me, sell it to cover that $100 in our budget. Um, that's the kind of culture you create if you don't give grace. Uh, so even though I'm very, very strict about holding to a standard, even though I'm a, an advocate for high standards, uh, high standards require grace. Now, here's the flip side of that. Grace requires high standards. Okay. Uh, this is kind of controversial. And I, this may be controversial and I, again, didn't prepare, but in my head, in my rudimentary analysis, as I'm, as I'm saying this, uh, grace requires a high standard. Why does grace require a high standard? Because if you have no standard, what are you giving grace for? Um, this, this may have deep theological implications now that I say it, or maybe it's just the word grace making me think that. But um, if you have no standard, how can you truly ever give grace? Um, if, if you have no standard, how can you truly ever extend that grace of, of hey, um, it's okay. Hey, it's okay. Um, I don't know that that's grace. Uh, like I said, I, I think there's theological things to talk about here uh, that I just simply don't have the tools to, but I don't know that it's grace if you're if you're not holding them to the standard. Let's say you don't have a standard. Um, well, actually, here here's the deal. Um, you do have a standard. And I don't think, I think when you don't set that standard for your family, um, really what you're doing is you're holding them to, set, to a set of standards that they don't know. Because here's what happens. The laundry is not done and you're upset about it because you have a standard or at least you had an expectation. Okay. If you didn't communicate that expectation um, and you say, oh, well, you know, I guess it's okay. And you don't blow up on them. To me, that's not giving grace. Uh, to me, that's, it's almost like a form of lying. I think actually, I don't have my book on me. Dang it. Um, Jordan Peterson had a, a good line about how when something needs to be said, silence is a lie. Um, that's not giving grace. It, by not holding a standard, by not having a standard, that's not giving grace. A lot of guys in a lot of families will do this. Um, instead of holding their wife to a certain standard of chores or a certain standard of finances or, you know, a certain standard of, of work, whatever it might be, um, they think that they need to give grace to their wife because maybe they're having a tough time or something like that. Um, and so they don't hold a standard. They, they don't hold the standard. To me, that's that's not giving grace. That's that's almost um, lying because you do have a standard. Uh, it would be a lie to say that you don't have a standard for the way it is because you're going to get upset when she fails that standard. Again, I, I don't know if there's... I'm, I'm walking into this a little bit blind, um, but this sounds logically consistent, what I'm saying, uh, is that if you want to be able to give grace at all, you must have a standard. Otherwise, you're giving grace for nothing. Um, you're, you're not giving grace. You're just, you're just lying, <laughs> I guess is, is kind of where I'm at. 
Um, so grace and standards, I think, go very hand in hand. Uh, I don't think you can have one without the other at, at, at all. And again, I don't know the, the theological implications for that. Um, my Christian friends, if I'm wrong, hit me up, I guess. Um, but I think definitely within a marriage, uh, if you don't have grace, you don't have standards. Uh, or if you, if you don't have standards, you don't have grace. One can't exist without the other. And let me put it this way. Um, if you have standards with no grace, those are not standards. That's, uh, I guess it's, it's totalitarian. It's, it's not standard. It's, it's, it's a tyranny. Um, if you have a standard with no grace again, because you're not perfect, you never will be. You fail your standard. Uh, you do. I mean, there's no standard that you don't fail. Um, if, if, uh, if you have standards with no grace, then what you have is tyranny, I believe. Um, that sounds right. I've been reading a lot of Jordan Peterson lately, so that sounds very, uh, Jordan Peterson-esque, but, um, guys, I think that's all I've got today. Um, give grace, give grace to your wives, give, give grace to the people around you. It's important to give grace. Uh, but first you must establish a standard, uh, know when, know when grace is to be given. Um, typically, uh, I give, I give grace, uh, once, but not two in a row. Uh, so let's say, uh, you know, once, but not two in a row. So let's say DLN fails the standard once. Uh, and then the next time that she's supposed to hold the standard, she fails it again. Uh, that's where at the very least I say something, I may still give grace, but I say something, uh, if she, if she only does it when I say something, then that's still not meeting the standard. And so, uh, and what I really do is I help her figure out how to meet the standard. That's, that's the goal. Uh, that's another form of giving grace, I guess, I think, um, is saying, Hey, you know, this standard didn't get met. What can I do to help you meet this standard? Um, maybe that's the third or the fourth failure to meet the standard. You say, what, what can I help you do to meet the standard? Uh, take ownership of that. Recommunicate the standard. Okay. It's not hey, why didn't you do this? It's, hey, what do you think about our schedule here? What do you think about how the dishes need to be done? Do you think that we can do them every night? Are you willing to do them every morning? What about every day at lunch? How does the standard need to be run? And if it needs to be run a certain way, then why don't you say that? <laughs> okay, why don't you reiterate that? Uh, and that's, a, that's another good point on giving grace, is it's a lot less likely that they failed the standard than that they, than that they didn't understand it. Um, this is, this is a, a common failure and this is straight from Jocko. Don't let me take credit for this. Um, but it, it, in corporate America, I see it in, in marriages as well, but it's so much more standard in corporate America that if you didn't, if somebody isn't following your standard or meeting your expectations or doing what you said to do, uh, it is almost like eight to two, like 80% more likely that you failed to communicate the, the standard adequately uh, instead of them just failing to do it. Uh, you know, there, I've seen a lot of crap employees in my time. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, my short time. I've seen a lot of crap employees, uh, but it's still probably 20% of employees are just worthless. Maybe 20% of employees are just worthless. 80% of employees at the very least um, don't want to get fired. <laughs> 80% of employees at the very least want to do their jobs and go home. Uh, a lot of those employees really want to do a good job. A lot of those employees 
really do care to some extent, okay? And I see this all the time with, with middle managers that don't know what the hell they're doing, um, have almost no leadership skills at all. They've been there because they were at the company for 10, 15, 20 years and never had any ambition to move up, maybe never had the skills to move up, and they get in these positions and they say, hey, I told you to do this and you didn't do that. You have failed my standard. And they assume that it's because the person just didn't want to do that. That it is, I, I'm throwing random statistics out there, but eight out of 10 times, I would say that you failed to communicate the standard. Either A, you didn't tell them what to actually do. I have experienced this multiple times. You assumed that they understood what you knew, what you wanted them to do. They probably didn't. Okay. When you said this, uh, they probably didn't understand what you actually wanted them to do. It was not clear. Or you didn't stress how important it is. Okay. You laid 20 things on their plate and you're upset because number 12 didn't get done in a timely manner or wasn't done with the vigor that you asked it to be uh, done with, or it was just straight missed. Okay. Uh, yeah, 20 things all need to be done and they missed number 12. Did you tell them to do number 12? You did, but you didn't tell them how important it was. You sat there and you talked about number 15 to 20 uh, the whole time, okay? The whole time, when in reality, 15 and 20 compare very little to number 12. You didn't stress the importance for doing all 20 with the same amount of intentionality and with, with the same level of execution. You failed them, okay? 80% of the time, you failed them. It is very rare. Honestly, it is very rare to see an employee that just refuses to do as they're told. It is much more likely to see a boss or a manager that didn't communicate it well, didn't communicate the importance, didn't communicate the deadline. Uh, the, the boss didn't follow up. You have a responsibility to follow up on what you asked them to do. You really do. I know you shouldn't have to a lot of times, but you do, um, especially when your employee has other stuff going on, okay? Um, especially when the employee has other stuff to go, going on. 80% of the time, it's your fault. It, it, it really is. 80% of the time, there's something that you could have done to make sure that went better. And it's the same way in your marriage. It's the exact same way in your marriage. Now, there are the 20%, and Ellen and I fight some of the 20% sometimes, where I know I was clear. Um, I know I said what I wanted. I know I gave her a reasonable deadline to do that. Um, she confirmed it. Not only did she confirm it, she confirmed it six months ago. She confirmed it, uh, you know, four months ago when we talked about it again. She confirmed it three months ago when we talked about it again. And it's just it's just not being met. Even within yourself, you have an 80-20. Um, but still, 80% of the time, it's my failure to communicate what I actually wanted. Uh, what's, a, what's a good example? Um, there's There's been a couple good examples where I've come in and I'm like, yeah, but no. And then I realized that it was my failure. Um, I'll give, I'll give a good, well, a recent example. I don't know. Um, it's, it's something like, well, yeah, today, uh, I, I asked her, uh, to do two bags of, I needed two bags of rice cooked and put in the fridge because that's how you do fried rice. Uh, I was not specific. Um, and the rice that she put out is going to be fine, but it was absolutely not the rice that I wanted to put out. Did I tell her which rice to put out? No. Did she make two bags of rice? She did. <laughs> okay. That is my failure. Uh, she may be able to hear me right now. I don't know if she can. Um, 
but that is 100% my failure. The fact that we're going to have whole grain rice instead of jasmine rice is my failure because I did not tell her which rice to put out. She put out two bags of rice. Okay, um, I have a very high standard for cooking. I have to give grace there because I didn't communicate <laughs> what I needed to do. Um, actually, there's really no grace to be given. She did every. I, I should give praise uh, because she did exactly what I asked her to. She cooked two bags of rice. doesn't matter that our fried rice is now not going to be perfect. It's my fault. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is this is exactly what I mean, and I hope that it makes sense. Um, well, guys, I'm at 36 minutes. Uh, I, I think this is a pretty decent episode um, for, for being unprepared, not having a guest. But um, I want some ideas, guys. If, if you're listening to this, shoot me some ideas of what you want to see. What kind of segments do you want to see? A lot of these shows, a lot of podcasts, they have different segments. I want to do something that I can replicate every single time with new information. Here's an example. This is one that I wish I would have thought of because it's it's an excellent idea. Um, I don't want to just straight rip it off from Ben Shapiro, but he does things that I like and things that I hate. So um, at the end of his show, every time he says things that I like, uh, and he talks about something that he liked to see between the last time and this time. Uh, then he does things that I hate, and he talks about something that he dislikes from last time to this time. Uh, that's a segment. I'm I'm thinking through segment ideas. I'm going to come up with something. We're going to get a segment. But if you have something that you would be genuinely invested in, something that you genuinely like, uh, hit me up with that. And I and I'm gonna I'm not going to lie to you. I may not do it if I think it's silly and I and I don't find any investment in it. I'm not going to do it. But I'll give it my best shot. And like for example, if if you give me a segment idea and and, and I can match it 80, percent I'm going to do it. Um, I'm, I want y'all to be invested in the content. Uh, you know, I put out a marriage Q and a today at like 9am. Nobody asked me any questions, um, which is fair. Okay. Uh, at 9am, if you didn't have a question, you didn't have a question. I say nobody, my wife did. Um, she always makes sure to put something in there and I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, and I'll tackle her questions later, uh, cause it, it it's going to require a little bit of research and some actual forethought. Uh, but, uh, nobody put any questions in there. Uh, which means what, what that really means is that I'm not engaging the audience properly. Uh, I know you saw it. <laughs> I know, I know most of you saw it. Uh, nobody put any questions in there. So, uh, if, if, if you feel like it, if you want to see something, give me an idea for a segment that I can do, uh, in the one flesh podcast every single Wednesday, where it's a certain defined set of rules, uh, for what I talk about. And I talk about that. Send me your ideas. Thanks everybody. Go listen to the Sunday series of the purpose podcast. Uh, go listen to the most recent one. What is the most recent one? Is that Joshie's? I think it is. Um, let me go see. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have a guest this week, uh, but I know we will. Um, I know we will next week. Let's see. What was the last episode? I think it is Joshie's. Yeah, go listen to uh, go listen to Joshie. Uh, my buddy Joshie. Yes, his name is Joshie. Uh, we did a good podcast. Let's see. Yeah, Faith and Friends, Joshy Ruiz. So yeah, go listen to that. It was it was a really good one about uh, about coffee and about what he does uh, for his purpose, and it involves espresso. So if you're a fan, uh, go check it out. Thanks everybody, appreciate it.